is going to send his son, Jesus, back to gather us all. Look what it says here. He said, all those that are in my harvest, in my covenant, I will never leave you comfortless. He said, I will turn troubles into triumphs. I will turn a mess into a message. I will make a victim become a victor. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. In our series on the harvest, God is our source and supply, I want to talk about the greatest thing in the harvest is that God keeps his word. We clearly see throughout the series, that God freely give everything. It was bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. In your notes, I want to look at a line here. Um, I kept a note up here to make sure I left it in here. I want you to look at this thing, that most never realize the reason that everything was bought and paid for by the blood of Christ. And I want to take you back to the beginning. That's what this whole series, this message today is about. Where did this this harvest come from? Where did this ability for you and I to have a harvest of victorious living in our lives? It all started at the beginning, long before the birth, life, and death of Jesus Christ. God established his promises to his chosen people. In that word promises, I want you to put a little line off of it and then write the word covenant. Because covenant and promises commitment and partnership are all synonymous terms. God entered into relationship with his chosen people. Okay. Now you say, well, pastor, is that talking about Israel? Yes, it is. But look at the next line, which every Christian can now enjoy. And I'm going to take you into the scriptures where it shows you that you and I are under the same covenant as the Jews. We know that mentally, but many times we don't understand it personally. And so I'm going to talk about that a little bit today. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, look what it says. All of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ. Say that with me, would you? All of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ. With a resounding yes, through Christ... Who is our amen? Amen means so be it. It means conclusively yes. 
ascends to the glory of God. What literally this passage is saying, that all the promises of God found in Christ, or find, rather, in Christ, their unchangeable fulfillment. Why? He is the minister who confirmed the covenant. Listen, for Jews and Gentiles, unless you are born of Hebrew birth and you have became a Jew or you have chosen to enter into the Jewish ceremonialism, which some people do, but biblically you have to have uh, uh, Jewish heritage to be in the Jewish religion. It is a religion. You can be a Hebrew and not be a Jew. Okay? It's a choice. Just because you were born there doesn't mean you are just automatically there. It's a choice that you have to make, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. In Christ Jesus, in your notes, there is nothing but infallible truth. Can somebody say amen? Amen. The promises, covenant in God, made through the blood of Jesus Christ, were not yes and no. They always have been, always will be, completely yes. This is what God established long before Calvary. And this is the joy that the Christian has. You know what that is? Divine constancy. Unequivocal sincerity and assured certainty that the entire gospel of Christ is yours and I for our victory. Can I hear you say amen? Yet in this world, here is a truth. In everyday life, And that truth is, bad men are false. We agree. But now let me make another statement. It should be on the screen. Good men are fickle. How many have somebody that you knew was good and they did something not so good? Besides me. Okay. But listen to this. But God is always true. In 2 Corinthians, there's three truths that are outlined pertaining to God and his covenant, his promises. Number one is they are from God who keeps his word. They are from God who keeps his word. The Bible says he cannot lie. The second thing is they are made in and through Christ Jesus our Lord. He is the mediator. He is the, the, the fulfillment of the covenant. This is why the Bible says one was fulfilled, not done away with, that the other one could be established. And the second one is a better covenant. Why? Made on better promises. What is the better promise? That in Christ alone, I'll get into that in a moment, once and for all, we are saved. Once and for all, we are delivered. Once and for all, we are set free. Say, Pastor, how does this happen in a sin-filled world? The third thing, they're confirmed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I must go away that I can send the comforter to you because he will confirm all things. You wonder why you're walking through life and you want to do something wrong and all of a sudden you get this check inside of you? 
Anybody that ever happened to? I dislike using a microphone. That's why I have these things. We've got to get this fixed before next week, Victor. Uh, let me, let, let's continue on here. He said, if the comforter comes, then I can take care. Here you go. I can take care of all these other things. I can convict you when you're doing or wanting to do wrong. Now, not all of us respond to that conviction, but this is why this covenant can continue and we can live a victorious life. Why? In his mercy, in his providence, in his sovereignty, God has made us a people called for his glory and purpose. I've got a lot of scripture, so follow along with me. It'll be on the screen it's in your notes. It's also in your Bible. I want you real quick, as we're going through these portions of Scripture, open your Bible to Deuteronomy 28. I'm going to give you some that's on the screen, but I'm going to make you read your Bible a little bit this morning. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 7 and 9. You who trust Jesus, most of the translations will say Him, the stone that makes people stumble and the rock that makes them fall. Look in your notes. I, I, uh, I'm not sure if I underlined it, but I bolded it. Look at this. Why do they stumble? Because they do not obey God's word. Remember, God keeps his word. If we want harvest, we have to understand God keeps his word. Can you say amen today? They stumble because they do not obey God's word, and so they meet the fate planned for them. Now, this is where uh, predestination people pull out the scripture. You see, God planned everybody. No, that's not what it's saying. What it is literally saying that you have the road of, of promise or the road of, dis, uh, of disagreement or, or uh, rebellion. And if you go down the road of promise, this is what you're going to get. You go down the road of rebellion, this is what you're going to get. That was the plan. Are you with me? It's what it talks about in, in Romans chapter 8 when it says he has predestined. That word predestined was better translated. He has predetermined how things are going to be. Long before Calvary. Am I making sense today? Okay, but you are not like that. Look at somebody and say he's talking about me now. You are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You say, Pastor, that's talking about the Jews. But I will show you it's talking about you also. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he has called you out of darkness to his wonderful light. Hebrews chapter 10, let's go there. Behold, I have come, Jesus is speaking. Behold, I have come to do your will. To do, he said, I've come to fulfill your will, O God, that one can be taken away, the first is taken away, and the second would be established. 
The first would be fulfilled, the covenant would be satisfied, and the second would be established on better promises. Look at what it says here. By that will, we have been sanctified. By that will. What will? That Jesus obeyed the Father. He fulfilled everything. By that will, Jesus' fulfillment, you and I are now sanctified or set apart through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. How often did he have to do it? Once for all. Now let's go to Deuteronomy 28. This is where the promise began. This is where the covenant began. We call it the Abrahamic covenant. Look what it says here, verse 1. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands that I'm giving you today. If you fully. Now I want you to be in Deuteronomy 28. Okay? Because I'm going to take you into your Bible instead of putting it on the screen. I'm just going to read some things. That I am giving you today, look what it says here. The Lord will set you high above all the nations of the world. You say, Pastor, he's talking about the Jews. That's right. But he's talking about someone else too. You will experience all the blessings. All these blessings. You know, I did a Greek word study one time. I looked up the word all. You know what it means? You must have done the same study. All these blessings, but underline these words, if you, oh, come on, come on. It's not a, it's not a trick question. It's an open book test. You will experience all these blessings if you, why? God keeps his word. God honors his word. Now let me read. Deuteronomy chapter 28. I'm going to start with the third verse. Look what it says here. What are the blessings? These are the Abrahamic blessings. It goes from third verse to 14th verse. Let me read quickly. You will be blessed in the city. You'll be blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed. The crops of your land and your livestock will be blessed. The calves of your herds, the lambs of your flocks, your basket and your kneading, they all will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in. You will be blessed when you go out. Bless the Lord. That sounds like a bunch of blessing. Has given you. Who owns everything? Who owns nothing? We. He gave it. He did it. He established it. Uh, The Lord will establish you as his holy people as he promised you with an oath. If you keep his commands of the Lord your God and walk in his way. Let me put a simple word. If you owe, then all the people of the earth will see you are called by the name of the Lord and they will fear you and the Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock, the crops of your ground, in the land that he swore to your forefathers to give you. The Lord will open the windows of heaven and a storehouse. Oh, the Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty to send rain on the land and the season and bless and all the work of your hands. You will lend to many, but you will borrow from none. The Lord, folks, God never intended for us to be in debt. 
We do Financial Peace University. Not because we're trying to find perfection. We're trying to help with correction. To help us deal with that debt to get out of it. We're going to be starting up a class here uh, in, a, in a couple months and we'll be talking about it. But it's not to, to meddle in your finances, to meddle in your life. It's to help you with your life. From what? The word God keeps. Sorry, I mean, this, I've been waiting for this message for weeks. Okay. Look what it says here. The Lord will make you the head. And not the tail. Look at somebody when they've been calling you a horses, you know what. Say, nope, that's not me. Hey, I didn't say it over the pole, but I just, John, John Harmony, tell me, come, it's okay, we're good, right? Yeah, okay. Okay. The Lord has made you the head and not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord that he gives you this day and carefully follow them. What's that word follow? Obey. Then you will always be on top. And never be on bottom. How many of you are tired of being on bottom? See, God promised a harvest of victory to put you on top. You say, well, pastor, I know God wants me to overcome, but what do I do? You have to come over to his word. There's his way, and there's the highway. Do not turn aside from any of the commands I give you today. Not to the right, not to the left. Don't follow any other gods. Now, I think this is interesting because as we read through the scriptures, we notice that God has given this promise and there are 15 or 14 verses of his promise. But can I tell you that there are 53 verses of what will happen if you choose not to obey? And I guarantee if you read through those, just read through the rest down to the 68th verse, you will find yourself in that place somewhere if you've chosen not to do and obey God's word. Why? Because God keeps his word. The underlying premise to receive everything that leads to the harvest from Genesis to Revelation is the same. Obey and do. God has entered into a partnership. That word partnership is where we get the word covenant. Our covenant is where we get partnership. It's a partnership that says he will do his part if we will do our part. And there's only two things in God's word that God did first. We've taught about it here many, many times. And they both start with C. What are the two things that God did first and everything else he does response to his children? How many remember what the two things are? What? Creation. They both start with a C. And Calvary. So those are the only two things God did first. Everything else he does in response to our obedience. Are you with me? Man, this, I, this, this is a good message. If you grab a hold of it, man, I, I, I tell you, God is going to, man, woman, <laughs> God's going to give some harvest victories in our life. Why? Because he wants us blessed. So let's look at this and let's break it down. The promise of harvest is based on God's word. Okay, we have already found out that God's word is the seed of the harvest. Faith is the power of the harvest. So we see the seed, which is God's word. Our faith is what ignites 
God's word. Are you with me? And his covenant is the strength of the harvest. The word is the seed of the harvest. Faith is the power of the harvest. And the covenant is the strength that guarantees you will harvest if you will obey God's word. So the first thing we see, God keeps his word. Deuteronomy 29, 13. By entering into the covenant today, he established you as his people and confirmed that he is your God. Just as he promised you and swore. You said, Pastor is talking about the Jews again. You're right. But I'm getting to you. And I'm getting to me. In Hebrews 8 and 10, we find that God has established a better covenant built on better promises. What is the promise? The fulfillment once and for all through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. Okay, Hebrews chapter 9, look what it says. Under the old system or the old covenant, it was the blood of bulls and goats. Once a year, the, the heifer, the ashes of the heifer would be sprinkled to cleanse the people bodily, ceremonially of their iniquity or their impurities. But now the blood of Jesus, just think how much more. The blood of Jesus, not only bodily, not only uh, physically and mentally and emotionally, but our consciences from the sinful deeds that the enemy uses to keep us beaten down. So that we can do what? Worship the true and living God. So you see, Pastor, how does this affect us that are not Jews? I'm glad you asked. Romans 11, it's in your notes. Look what it says. But some of these branches from Abraham's tree, we're talking about the Jewish people. Some of the people of Israel, what's it say? Have been broken off. Look at this. And you Gentiles who were branches of a wild olive tree have been grafted in. It's your covenant too. It's my covenant too. It's my promises too. It's their promise. But they've been broken off. Listen to this. So now you receive also the blessings of Abraham. Isn't that what it says in your Bible? Sharing in the rich nourishment from the root of God's special olive tree. If you want to know, say, Pastor... Why are some of the branches not there? If you continue on through the end of the verse there in Romans chapter 11, it says they were broken off because they wouldn't obey. See, God's serious about His Word. He keeps His Word. You and I are a part of the Abrahamic covenant because God grafted us in. Who did He graft us in? Anyone that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Literally, the only ones who can't have the harvest or can't have the covenant or can't have the promises are those who won't. It's never been an issue of God, but whether people want to be obedient. Look at Galatians chapter 6. If a person does or doesn't, go through the religious act of becoming a Jew, it doesn't matter. Look what it says. The important thing is to become a new 
creation, a new person. What's it say in 2 Corinthians chapter 5? It's not on the screen, but write it down. It's not in your notes. 2 Corinthians, it says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Can you tell I'm a little excited about this? Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So if you are in Christ, you are in the Abrahamic covenant. Why? Because Christ became the fulfillment of the covenant. And in him, all things are made new. And God didn't do this just for then. He does it for now and for all time, for all people. Let's go back to Deuteronomy 14. You are not the only ones with whom I am making this covenant I want you to underline these words. Look in your notes. What's it say? The next three words. With these curses. Folks, we look at the covenant as being, you know, a positive. We saw 14 verses of promise, and we saw 53 verses of not so good promise. He said, these are not the only people that this covenant is made with. With its curses. I'm making this covenant both with you who stand here today in the presence of the Lord and also with future generations who are not now standing here. Look what it says here. Remember the Lord your God, 18. He is the one who gives you the power to be successful. He is the one that gave you the ability to have a victorious harvest in order to do what? Read it with me. Fulfill the covenant he confirmed. He confirmed it through the blood of Christ. He established it through the Father. The Father established it. Jesus confirmed it. And the Holy Spirit accomplishes it. Every day in our life can be victorious. Why? God is the one that confirmed his covenant. Can you say amen? The result of God's covenant. Oh, I got so long to go. The result of God's covenant is he enables you to be part of his harvest. You see, ladies and gentlemen, God wants you to have a victorious life. Victorious life is not just a cliche. It is what God wants. When God spoke to me, it's been in the, in the, in the, early, in the early 90s when I established Victorious Life Christian Center in California. God spoke to me and gave me this name. Because I, I, I had a different church name and it was just part of a little organization. And I thought, okay, God, what, what are you doing here? And there were some changes in the air. And, and God said, this is, will be the name of your church. And he spoke Victorious Life Christian Center to me. I said, okay. That's great, God. What's it mean? He said, what is every Christian under my covenant and my promise enabled to have a victorious life? And because we choose not to obey, we have problems. Okay? Bottom line. Now, it doesn't mean because we do obey there will not be problems, but the problem will now go to the ones that are coming against us. 
Are you with me? Okay, so victorious life. I said, okay, God, great. And he said, how can they have a victorious life? Because they're a Christian. As I put a little thing on Facebook, Christian means Christ-like, not world-like. If you are calling yourself a Christian and you're living like the world, guess what you're not? Oh, you're judging me. I'm just telling you what the Word of God says. Light and darkness cannot be in the same place. It means Christ-like. Okay, victorious life. That's what they're supposed to live. Why? Because they're a Christian. Okay, pastor, what's the deep meaning of center? It just means a place where people gather. It wasn't anything deep to it, you know. It was just Christians. I could have called it victorious life. Church. But no, the Christian had to be in there. The result of God's covenant is that we're enabled to be part of the harvest. In covenant with God, as on the screen, means to experience the promises, the covenant, the harvest, the privileges of that everlasting partnership. This means that we don't ever again have to wonder whether or not God wants us taken care of or God wants us blessed or when we have those, those little ideas, well, maybe I'm going through this because God's trying to teach me something. Balderdash. The Bible says God doesn't tempt us with evil. He doesn't place that on us. Yes, we go through it, but not because God's trying to teach you something. How many go around beating your kid just because you're trying to teach them something? Because they disobey, they have consequences. But when they're doing right, how many would do anything for your kids if you would just do right all the time? Are you kids listening? If you just do right all the time, you'll never have a problem. That educational part that we call the board of correction... Pastor, there you can't do that. In my house, you can. Why? Because in my Bible, I can. Are you with me today? Walking in God's covenant means that we don't have to think God's punishing me to try to get me to learn something. Every promise God has, every piece of the harvest, God says, I want you to have. This is His commitment, His covenant to success is the harvest. It's not maybe, it's not could be, it's not would be or should be, it is yes. Can you say amen? Yes. Alan Redpath, and I've shared this in our church over the years, he made a powerful statement in his, in his book, Blessings Out of Buffetings, out of 2 Corinthians. And he said these words, that conversion, all that God has for us is ours. But we will only receive as much as through faith in Jesus Christ that we will reach out and take. Something I've learned that a free gift is only appreciated if you see it as of worth. There's lots of people that receive gifts and they re-gift them. Sometimes it's because they already have them or because it's not something that is of value to them. If it was, they would use its potential and enjoy receiving its gift and value. 
This is what we must do to obtain God's harvest. We have to see the worth and purpose of our lives in Christ and then utilize the potential for the prize. Paul said this one thing I do. I forget those things that are behind. And I stretch on. I press on that I might obtain the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Philippians chapter 3, you can find that as you look there. I have found that many fail to successfully receive the harvest because they don't understand value. If we deem something of little worth, of being inept of potential, we will treat it with a minute or an insignificant value. I know many have said, that's not the way I feel about God. Yet, they still fail to give all they have to the one who gave, who had all to, has all to give. Why do we hold our lives back from the only one that could cause abundant harvest? If we really believe that all of this is our, and I gave you, without equivocation, I gave you an understanding and a clear picture that you're under the Abrahamic covenant. That all of these things pertaining to the harvest are yours. They're mine. Why? Because I chose to accept Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of the law, not the doing away with it. In, in, in Matthew chapter 10, it says the law has not, it might be not 10, it might be chapter 3. It's in the book of Matthew. It says the law, one jot, one tittle, will not fade away until everything's fulfilled. And that's when Jesus returns to take us home. Can you say amen? Look back at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes. Scratch that word your, would you please? And put, yet for my sake, he became poor. That through his poverty, I might be made rich. A lot of people like to spiritualize that word rich. And it does mean spiritually wealthy. But it also means physically, mentally, emotionally, and socially healthy uh, and financially wealthy. It actually, literally, I, I've shared with you, get a Strong's Concordance, go look up the word. It talks about all these things. See, God doesn't want us just to make it through life. He wants us to have life and that more abundant. John 10.10. 10. Why are we reluctant to give all to the one who has already given all? The truth is, if we will give Jesus all that we have, he will give us all that we need. Let me begin to wrap this down. I just want to go through and expound on some of the blessings, some of the promises, some of the harvest that God wants you to receive. Look at this. He wants to hear every one of our prayers. And I've got scripture down there. I'm not going to read them all. He wants to preserve the church in the midst of persecution. He wants to reward us for being faithful. He wants us to know that he will never leave us or forsake us. He wants us to receive all though he wants to receive all those that come to him. And pardon me for taking a little bit longer time this morning. I really wanted to finish this series up today. Ladies and gentlemen, God made a covenant. And he said, if you just obey, 
I keep my word. I keep my word. Nobody can break it. The devil can't stop it. Death can't quench it. He said, I'll keep you in it. And I'll promise you a harvest. God wants us today to do today what he has always desired. And that is to succeed in the harvest. Yet the biggest issue that we've dealt with is we don't have the faith to receive this. We don't understand that the power, that the seed is the word. It is what God plants us. That's okay. It is what God plants every day. The promise God gives every day. Remember, I want to take you back to Romans 11. Remember, they were broke off. Who? The people of Israel who chose not to obey, who would not believe. Due to disobedience, they were broke off. And then it tells us, don't get big-headed, folks, because if we don't obey, we'll not have the blessing. We will not have the harvest. Look what 1 John tells us. Whatever we ask, we receive of Him because we keep His commands and we do what is pleasing in His sight. Oswald Chambers, one of the great men of God of years gone by, said, never try to explain God until you have obeyed God. The only bit of God you understand is the bit you have obeyed. Ladies and gentlemen, if we're not doing God's word, why do we expect him to keep his word? Does that make any sense? Why do we expect him to, keep, to do his part if we're not doing our part? As I've shared before, it'd be like me telling my wife how much I love her and then I never come home to her. Or how much I love her and then I keep my paycheck for myself. Never take care of the needs of my home. Telling you as a pastor... I love you and I'm an example of the things of God and yet you find me out of the bars drinking. Me out of the place carousing. You find me doing this or that and the other thing. How can I be that testimony? How can I expect God to keep His word in my life for you if I'm not keeping His word in my life? One of the interesting things that I saw on Facebook Is it how confused unbelievers get when believers don't act like Christians? The only part that we understand is the part we're doing. Obedience has always been and will always be the key to God's harvest. Say, Pastor, how do I start? Philippians 4, 6. Look at this. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and then thank Him for what He has done. Don't worry about anything. 
know that he is your source and supply. Every situation in your life, you say, Pastor, I'm really messed up right now. Good. Not that you're messed up, but that you admit it. Because now you can do something about it. What are they teaching in, in, uh, in addicts classes and stuff? Uh, uh, alcoholism and stuff like that. The first thing you got to do to overcome a problem, you got to admit you got a problem. If there's problems at your home, sir, chances are it's not her. Oh, not because she's not a problem. Is she breathing? She got issues. But she ain't your problem. When you make her a problem, she's your problem. And vice versa. I'm not picking on the guys. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God who is your source and your supply where you are in life. Let me ask you, where are you today? Are you seeing the harvest God wants for your life? Are you living a life of victory? Once again, folks, peace is not an absence of problems. Victory is not an absence of defeats. But in the midst of it, does it take you down or does it help to build you up? You see, it's not, I can blame everybody for everything. Or I can look in the mirror and say, God, you're my source. You're my victory. And ask him, why am I here? If you're going through stuff this morning, I'm not going to ask you to bow your heads. I'm not going to ask you to do anything. As I've shared with you before, when I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes, the minute you raise your hand and I say, I see that hand, people peek. It's okay. But let me ask you, where are you today? Where are you in your life in Christ? Are you obeying? Are you expecting God to do what God said to do? God has no problem. But are we doing what we're supposed to do? If this morning the Holy Spirit's talking to you, these altars are open. I want you to get up out of your chair and just go find a place. Just you and God alone. And go talk to him. Say, Pastor, I can't do that. People will think things. Would I rather have people think things or God think things? See, God already knows. I, during the worship time, I went to the altar. I'm sure people sit back and say, oh, why is he going to the altar? Is there something wrong with the pastor? Is his life messed up? No, I was, in, I was worshiping. My heart was broken before God. I said, God, I want you to be the center of my life. Everything I am, everything I do, I want you to be. These altars are open. I love all of you, but I know that most of you should be there. Because I talk to many of you. Not because of problems, because you're going through stuff. Who do you think is going to fix it? Have you fixed it so far? I think it's time to take it to the one that can. Don't you? Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. 
to donate online, visit VLCCAZ.org. That's VLCCAZ.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast. Podcast. <laughs>